Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. But he said something today I thought was funny, how we made him suffer to do praise and worship. But he, he never realized how we were suffering. And uh, <laughs> so, so, oh, is that then? Okay. <laughs> that was good for the goose is good for the gander, you know. So... <laughs> I went outside to get a drink of water, and I, I just came right back in. I heard him on the microphone. So, so uh, I am uh, I, I'm honored here today. There's some very special things taking place in my heart as well as uh, as we enter into this day. And uh, I'm sorry, I just did not mean to go there but I'm real and so I'm kind of if you noticed I'm antsy I got my notes together I got what I want to say so today I'm going to challenge us one of the jobs on the pastor appreciation day is to honor the pastors to appreciate and show the value and uh, how much that we care for the pastor and in doing this it's a strange thing the Holy Spirit had uh, put on my heart to talk about authority and the structure of authority. And I'm going to lay a foundation where the centurion came to Jesus and had a servant that needed to be healed. And the centurion didn't even feel worthy to have Jesus come to his house. And I don't know if many of you know the story. He approached Jesus and asked, if you'll just come to the house and lay your hand on my servant, he'll be healed. Because I am a man under authority, and I say to one, and he does, and I say to another, and he does, and he says, I myself am a man under authority. And it says, Jesus marveled. He said, I have found no greater faith in all of Israel. And and I I just thought to myself, no greater faith in all of Israel, but Jesus marveled. So when, you know, if you can get Jesus to marvel, you've done something because he was there when the earth came into order. He was there when Moses Ask God, who do I tell them that sent me because we don't even know who you are? He said, tell them I am that I am sent you. (laughs) He was going out on purity faith under the authority of another man. And here Jesus is marveling. Jesus, Jesus is marveling at the fact that there was a man that said, I am a man under authority. I understand if you'll just say one word, I'll believe what you say and it'll happen. Great faith comes from being under authority. 
And we're not a nation that trusts authority very well right now. It's been a while before American people to find themselves under structure. But in the kingdom of God, and to show the greatest appreciation to a pastor is to line up under authority. It does his heart well to know that you've submitted under the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Israel, this for you, I'm going to use my phone so I can pull up a scripture and feel modern. I have been told before I'm like a fat man caught in bob wire. I preach that way, a point here and a point there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hang on with this fat man as we get points. <laughs> Uh, Matthew 8.10, it says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Such great faith. What, what made him, Jesus say that was, is the fact that he relayed this. I don't do just what I want to do. I am a man under authority. I'm submitted to somebody. I do what I'm told. Now, in this kingdom of God, we know ultimately that we want to do what God wants. And this is what I love about Pastor John, is I've known Pastor John for six years. He always wants to do what God wants. Even when it's uncomfortable, Pastor John always does what God wants. Even when it's not a popular vote, he does what God wants once when he preaches he doesn't preach a watered down truth because he's under authority even though sometimes the pastor preaches a message that he knows you don't like he does it because he's submitted under a man of authority he's doing what the supreme shepherd has said to do to preach the gospel many times People want us to preach things that hear us, but a pastor who has a heart after God will preach what the Father's saying to the congregation, even if it isn't popular. Even if it doesn't make you want to shout. Amen. <laughs> he marveled, Jesus marveled because somebody said, you know, I could do what I want to do. Paul said it this way. The apostle Paul said, I am a bond servant. I am a bondservant, and if you know anything about what a bondservant is, it is an individual who once was a slave, who had a master, who told him what to do on a regular basis, made him do what he had to do. He did not have a choice. Kind of like when we were sinners, we didn't have a choice. We were made to sin and do things that we would not do because Satan was our Lord, and Jesus set us free from that. And a bondservant says this, he personally surrenders the right of his own will back under a master. He willfully submits back under authority that he loves and trusts. He willfully submits himself. Says, I no longer have a will for my own life, but I have a will of my master. And I was preaching a couple weeks ago, and I heard myself say to people, 
all of us have salvation, but have we really submitted to the mastership of the Lord? We're all saved, but have we really submitted under his total authority? What makes a pastor's heart glad is when his people are under authority and they're submitting to God and doing the will. If you, want, you, if you want to please a pastor, then you be a doer of the word. <laughs> you say, Pastor, I, I prayed and God told me to go do such and such and I did it. Even though it was unpopular, that makes a pastor's heart glad. I want to read something to you about the perfect pastor right quick. I feel like this is a great time to, to read this to you. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. He condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from eight until midnight and is also the church's janitor. The perfect pastor makes $40 a week. He wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates $30 a week to the church. He's 29 years old. He has 40 years of experience. And above all, he is handsome. I feel good now, but I'm not 29. <laughs> the perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers. He spends most of his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to the church. <laughs> he makes 15 home visits a day, and he is always in his office to be handy when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for the church council and all of its committees. He never misses the meeting of any church organization. He is always busy evangelizing the unchurched. The perfect pastor is always in the church down the street. I heard somebody say they were looking for the perfect church. And I heard his friend say, well, if you join that church, it won't be perfect no more. <laughs> you know, we all laugh about that, but the truth is, is we don't have a perfect pastor in any of our congregations. The perfect pastor that we had went to the cross for us, took our place, was our substitute, paid our price in hell to have the grace of God, to have the salvation of God. Then he rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then Ephesians says that he gave us gifts. After he defeated the devil, he gave us gifts. God gave his church a gift. He gave his bride a gift. And let me tell you something. A, a, a groom thinking about giving his bride a gift is put some thought into it. God calls in Ephesians the pastor a gift. After the victory of defeating the devil and winning his bride back out of the hands of the devil, his church. And he gives us gifts. Now, let me tell you something about gifts. Gifts that are given to you are only as good as you make them. That's why we went ahead and had a little humor because I knew that was gonna hit that way. All of us have gifts given to us that we do not appreciate. And it's sad to say that when we get into the church, we let that slip in too. 
Not this church, you know good and well, I already know you love your pastors. You know, you hear them saying how much they love you. I'm just trying to set some order. I'm not trying to set correction. Please understand my heart. But if this church is gonna have great faith, it's gonna have to follow its pastor. It's gonna have to get under the leadership of the authority of the pastor because Jesus said it that way. Because God said it that way. A pastor in our church history today, listen to me, is looked upon as a regular job. We laughed at the joke about he does 15 visits a day, but if he has to, he will do 15 visits a day and come back to the church. He prays for you 24-7 and gets paid for 32 hours. I was a pastor. It was the hardest duty that I ever endured. I was in the hospital listening to people talk about how their loved one's gonna die and why is God not there to heal them and, and why? And I'm like, Could, could you be nicer to the guy who's living in a hotel, who's living out of a suitcase, who's here because he's your pastor and he wants to support you? Can you just be a little nicer to him? For days we sit there and listen. Not all of our visitations have been bad, but, but we've gone to some and, and, and we're there because we love you and because we want to support you and because Jesus said that's our job. We surrender to that. So, to have great faith, we understand that we got to submit to authority. And the pastor's been given to the local church as a gift. So that tells me that Jesus has done some thought, and he has pretty well thought it through, that if he could get a gift into a local church, there's some good things that are going to happen for the people of that church. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 right quick. Israel, can you put Ephesians 4, I think it's 18 up there for me. Just so I can buy some time to do something. Actually, isn't it amazing when you're nervous? I don't know why I'm nervous. I know you love me. And I know, I know the Holy Spirit's talking to you. It's actually 4.8. But let me read a joke to you right quick. Because this is going to be real fun. <laughs> Three pastors were driving down the road. When they missed the turn, they went into a ditch. And as they pulled themselves together, a drunk pulled up and asked them if they were all all right. Oh, yes, Jesus is with us, one of them replied. The drunk thinks for a minute. Well, you better let him get in with me because y'all are going to kill him. All right, as a church submits to the <laughs> as a church begins to submit to the leadership and the authority of a pastor, what are some of the things that are going to happen in that church? The very first thing we got to realize is that he's a gift. And that God gave a pastor to a church after his victorious triumph over the devil. 
Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to who? To man. So let's think about that a second. God gave gifts to man. A pastor is a gift to man. To mankind. God knew you needed the human touch. That's the very first thing that, that's, I'm going to have to read my small fine print. It says, and he gave gifts to man. So he realized that we needed somebody who was like us that had a supernatural anointing to pastor. He needed an anointing. Isaiah 10, 27 says it's an anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's an anointing that will set you free from patterns of thought that you've had for years in your life that have held you bondage, in bondage. There's an anointing on a pastor that will destroy the poverty mentality. There's an anointing that will bring healing to your marriage. There's an anointing on his life because he's a general practitioner. He does not get the benefits to be an evangelist. He cannot come in, blow up, and blow out. The evangelist comes in, he blows in, he blows up, and he blows out, and the pastor's left here with his chin to the floor wondering how will he clean up the mess. See, the pastor has to trust when an evangelist comes in, he's submitted to the authority of God, and when he speaks that he speaks as an oracles of God. And then the pastor gets back up here, and if there's false doctrine, if there's wrong doctrine, the pastor figures out, now how can I do this without ruining the reputation of that evangelist? He comes in, spends time, fixes it. Y'all don't even know he's fixing it. Because he's teaching you. Teaching corrects false doctrine. Teaching removes the wicked craftiness of man. Teaching is what will establish you when Pastor John is gone. It's the foundation to your celebration of life, of victory. The teacher comes in and he's got an anointing and he teaches you something. The pastor's been preaching to you all the time. You just never heard it because you become familiar with your pastor and you forget he's a gift. And so another teacher comes in, teaches the same thing he's been teaching. <laughs> and you come to him, oh, pastor, you just won't believe the revelation in the back of our minds. This is where we're going. Hey, knucklehead, what do you think I preached yesterday? <laughs> I, I, I've spent hours trying to figure out how to get you to understand it. Now let me show you the human side of us. I wonder if we're just not doing a good enough job. Why can't my people receive that from me? Listen, a pastor who brings the five-fold gift into the church is a pastor who knows that he doesn't have everything. And that it takes another and anointing sometimes to shake and rattle and roll the concrete that's in the congregation. Because we're all like concrete. We're thoroughly mixed up and set in our ways. Say, <laughs> so I'm showing you both sides of our roles because I've been there. I've been sick in my body and stepped in the pulpit and could preach a message and not even feel the symptoms of the sickness. And as soon as I've left the, my, my, my gift and got back home, I had to fight sickness just like you guys do. Yeah. 
So first thing is, is that, that, that God gives gifts. And then it, we're gonna skip right down to verse 11. And he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. You realize out of all five of those, only two of them really would stay in the church because the rest required them to be on the road. The pastor teacher are the only two that should be in the church really any great amount of time because the evangelist should be evangelizing. The apostles should be setting up churches and, and getting people in order, right? And the prophet should be being invited to prophesy to God's people. For the equipping of the saints. Who's the saints? Come on. So the gifts are for you. But how is it that we can sit in church day after day after day and week after week and month after month and never seem to grow? Is it the pastor that's having the problem? Or is it that something is clouding and blocking the passage from you to receive? Now, Pastor John would never say this, but I think it's disrespectful if we can address him as Pastor John. Now, my pastor, senior pastor, who rooted and grounded me, went home to heaven this weekend in a tragic accident. I always called him Pastor Terry, even when I wanted to spit in his face. And yes, he would tell you there was times we had spitting matches. <laughs> Can you imagine that, being married to Jana and not having a spitting match? See, my pastor got in relationship with me, so he got into everything with me. Matter of fact, I found out he was my pastor, and I could drag him into everything. And sometimes that's what it was. You could see the skid marks of his feet being dragged to everywhere he needed to go with my life. But he was my confidant. He was my friend. He was there. He prayed for me. He always supported me. Even when I said God told me to do this and he knew God wasn't telling me to do it, he had to let me do it. But because of the pastor's heart, because of the gift that was working in him, and when he would talk to God, God would have to tell him, you have to let John do that. Just always stay available for him. Now, here in a little bit, we're going to receive Pastor John and Miss Ann as our gifts. We've received them as our pastor, but have we really received them as our gift? See, opening our hearts to allowing the gift come in means how much value are we really going to place on them? I'm fixing to give you an out because I'm going to give you five ways to show them how you appreciate them. But he gave us gifts... Don't look at me like that, Pastor. You make me nervous. <laughs> For the equipment, I wasn't very homiletical. I forgot to say Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Ephesians 4, verse 8. We're going to turn one more time to Ephesians. In case you all know where that's at, it's in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. It's somewhere along the books of the other books. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 8. I got an application statement coming up, amen. <laughs> I, I gave some humor. <laughs> you know, if we can't laugh in church, then don't you laugh at TV. 
right? I said, we need to laugh a little bit in here. I'm not going in. It's what happens when Tex gets a a one-year warranty against the defeat of Oklahoma. So next year is a different story, Tex. You better get your extended warranty. So... So he gave us some apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man. You know, really, the word perfect man there is pretty intimidating, but all it means is mature Christians. That's all. The pastor's there to help you mature. And if you never received the gift of the pastorship, you're not going to mature. It's virtually impossible for you to mature without a pastor. I want to say it again. It is virtually impossible for you to ever to mature in the things of God without a pastor. Listen, having a gift of healing is not maturity. The gift of prophecy is not maturity. It's something given to you that God entrusted into you. Living the word daily and knowing how to use the word is maturity. Knowing what to do in crisis, that's a maturity. Not falling apart. Learning how to grieve proper. Learning how to deal with your children proper. Learning how to deal with your boss proper. Learning how to deal with your life is maturity. until we all come into unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and to the perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be tossed or be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and trickery of man and the cunning craftiness which by they lie in wait to deceive. Isn't that funny? Be alert, be sober, because your adversary, the devil, is looking to seek whom he can devour. That's what it means, lying and waiting to deceive. Because the devil has to use man. And he does it through the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness by which they lie and wait to deceive you. We already know the world ain't excited about Jesus Christ being your Lord. We already know that they're not excited about love one another instead of hate one another. We already know we live in a world that is dominated by Satan and Satan's ruling. The earth, the system, the earth belongs to God. But he controls the atmosphere. That's the reason the newspapers print only negative news. That's the reason they say, good evening, and then they talk to you all about bad stuff. It's the reason they don't talk about your friend who got healed. There's a reason they don't have a news thing out here right now, waiting to see who gets their miracle today, who gets their healing today because you don't think you're being healed right now in your bodies, but sickness is leaving your body. Headaches are leaving your body. Migraine headaches won't come back to you. And lumps in your body are dissolving as we talk because Isaiah said it's the anointed that destroys the yoke of bondage. I mean, David slew Goliath by the anointing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in the fiery furnace and came out and didn't smell like fire because of the anointing Jesus was in them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Sickness and disease don't belong to you. 
Where did you learn all that? From a pastor. <laughs> so when you begin to see all the things that the pastor's supposed to do, the reward is for us. He's teaching us how not to be tricked. He's a gift. So when the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of the devil through a man comes in and it sounds and looks like it's gospel, only the truth that a pastor under the anointing that is submitted to God himself is preaching will destroy that yoke. Let me tell you something. If miracles could keep you free, don't you think that the children <laughs> in Israel would have never murmured and complained? Listen, you do understand why God don't give you the same shoe for 40 years, don't you, in our society today? Because most of you would grumble and complain because you change shoes like you do clothes. Back then, they were happy to have shoes because before, they never had shoes. Their shoes never wore out. God was proving to them he's Jehovah Jireh, their provider. Huh? How many of you have been brought up against the Red Sea? Who's your Moses you call? Pastor. They say they're going to lay me off. What am I going to do? Now, Johnny, it's going to be all right. You know God's going to take care. The pastor, that's his role. You're to use him for that. But at the same time, great things are going to happen as you submit under his authority. Now, let's, let's listen to this. Let's go over Timothy right quick. And let me show you some of the qualifications that he had to meet. James tells us this, even though uh, uh, James said that if we want to be teachers of the word, that we ought to be real careful because we're going to be, we're going to be judged stricter by God than the people who don't teach the word. That, and Pastor John will tell you, some of the times I'm hesitant to do things is because I, I, I know that's an awesome responsibility to get up here and to, to say and do things because God's going to hold me accountable. And so whatever I say, if I water it down just to please you, when it comes time for me to go before God and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then he's going to deal with me. And he might look back over my life and say, if you would have made these adjustments, look at all the trails of people that you confused by not just saying one word that I told you to do. Many of you don't have to think like us. I want you to think like the pastor. I want you to feel the responsibility that's on us. Many want to do what we do. Do you really? One of the things that I've noticed about Pastor John ever since I've met him is God's first. And you want to know who second is? Anybody want to take a chance? Who second is in his life? His family. Hmm? And then now these two probably get a little mingled and can switch around his, his job and church. I want to challenge y'all. It won't be long before maybe he won't even have to have a job and there'll be so much finances here that all he'll do is sit right here and, and, and take from the treasury. That's an awesome goal, y'all, to set yourself for that agreement in 2014. 
How many miles is he traveling? Let's just look. I did it. I said I wouldn't do it. I mean, easy, 400 a week, maybe 600, depending on what takes place, where he's at. We've added it up, maybe a little more by my addition. Vroom down the high, vroom down the back. Hey, 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 I'm going to get in trouble here, but hey, 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 Jack, hey, 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 happy, happy, happy. <laughs> maybe some of you ought to go out and look at their cars and think about, do they need tires? They don't. I already know they don't. I already look. <laughs> I'm just giving you an idea of how you can bless your pastor. Uh, I do know it costs a lot of money to go up and down the street. So maybe you could just buy their gas for one week. Janice said, be careful. Is that what you just said? Get that head back up, boy. What you doing? They asked me to do this, not you. That's why they asked me to do that. Notice I'm not looking at him. Now, he's very, very confident in who he is. <laughs> very confident in who he is. You don't get the last name Holler! And deal with children who think they know more than you on a regular basis at Christ for the nations. Because at Rhema, we're humbly and humble and under authority. We don't challenge the pastors and the teachers. We just listen. But at Christ for the nations, they stand up and they challenge you. <laughs> they say, I think. And he says, that's the problem. You think. <laughs> what does God say? Every day he battles false doctrine. People trying to take him off his role and his call in his life. So he has to be confident. And, and I know you see him as a, 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 a superman spiritually. But when I go home. Twyla Paris had a song. When she goes home, she's like a baby or whatever, cries. A warrior is a child. Let's don't ever forget this warrior is a child too. That he has feelings. <laughs> that he has needs. Even though he won't tell you. See, I could do my first appreciation. It could be my last. <laughs> but Greg, I hereby delegate that authority over to you. Don't give it to pastor. And, and I want to tell you something. When we met Pastor John and Ann, Jana and I was on a journey following God to the land of the Chaldeans. We had no idea where we were going. I met Pastor John accidentally, but the very first day this man ever met me, I was at his church. Because of my training, I know that I don't go in the congregation and act like a, con a, a, a church member because I don't want to get comfortable and then say I'm starting a church because that is just called um, etiquette. It's called proper etiquette. I go in a man's church. 
I don't want his people gravitating toward me. I don't want to get in his groups. I don't want to go to his life groups and build and know in, in my mind I'm going to start a church and then people gravitate to my abilities or to my personalities. So out of that, I said, well, I'm here to build a church. And, and when I met him, first thing he told me was, anything you need, I have an abundance of. Whatever I could do, I'll help you. I was like, for real? Is there something wrong with him? <laughs> I did. I was like, really? So I told Jan, I'm going to try it out. And the more I stuck around, the more I saw his selflessness. Then I seen the side of like, really? Wow. He's... He's a little more confident. Sometimes I might even call it arrogance. I mean, I'm just being honest. But it's not because I know the man. I've surrendered to accept the gift. I surrendered to accept the gift. I, I began to allow the gift to flow in my life. And out of that, I've done more preaching, teaching, and I've even got to teach at Christ for the Nations. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but that is a privilege and an honor. And what? Numerous times. But I submitted first to him in such a way that it was, and I'm going to say something, he might get mad at me for saying this, but I'm going to say, even today, I submit to him in a way that makes him uncomfortable. I had to fight him to let me do things for him. Because he's protecting John. This John. But I submitted. I washed their car. I filled their cars up with gas. I said, let me see your car. And I'd sneak off with it and wash it. Come back fill it up, didn't I? Yeah. I don't know how many people were doing that in his congregation. But here's what I did. I didn't care. Because I had submitted to him. And I went to their church that they were at. And he'll tell you. I purposely stayed out of his congregation. I was there at church every day feeding when the doors were open and I wasn't busy, but I stayed out because I submitted to the gift. I put myself under authority. It was a structure for me at that time, but I needed to submit underneath him. But I also had to stay on my call. I still had to obey God and do what God was telling me. But out of my submitting and submitting to his authority, we've gone through great many doors of pleasure. We've gone through and went places and preached more than I did submitting under my other pastor for 15 or 20 years. But I left my other pastor because I felt God told me to go on. But it all came from getting under a structure and under authority. He didn't ask me to submit to him. Matter of fact, he tells me this, and people still don't understand this. I want to say, Pastor John and Miss Ann both told me, listen, 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 this is something you know personally about them. Pastor John says, I love you. I'm going to be there for you. But if you need me, you call me because I am super busy. But whenever you call me, I will stop and I will be there for you. And you know what? I have had the endless of no answer phone calls. But as soon as he calls me back and I tell him what's going on, well, okay, I'm coming right now. I'm stopping what I'm doing. How can I help you? Because he keeps his word. He honors his word. And where he doesn't, Miss Ann will help him. 
But we already read where the, the perfect pastor is. He's down around the corner at the other. The perfect pastor. So I would never place him as a perfect pastor because then you wouldn't believe me that he's human. But he had a series of tests that he had the past to get here. I told you all to go to Timothy, right? And all I can do is go to Hebrews and James and here we go. Is this helping anybody? Are you, are you following my point here? We're talking about the gift of God. And that God gave us a gift that's to benefit us. But first and foremost, we must first receive the gift. And then we got to understand how the gift works in our life. This is a faithful saying that if a man, Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 1 said, this is a faithful saying if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, let me say something. When it says a husband of one wife, let me just deal with this right quick. It means one at a time. <laughs> Doesn't mean he couldn't have faced the tragic strategies of Satan called divorce, because he could have. And now he's got married and he's got one wife again. All right, moving on. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, you know, friendly, apt to teach. Hello, anybody ever noticed that gift on him? Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. Y'all have known him for a while. Is he, you that have been close, is he greedy for money? Let me tell you this. Let me just say this. We drove to Raton, New Mexico. We get there. I'm just a passenger that's doing the driving. <laughs> Want to talk? He wants to sleep. Joy, joy, joy of that drive was, huh? <laughs> so <laughs> I learned a long time ago, let the man of God do what he wants, and he'll speak up when you don't want him to talk. And... Uh, <laughs> But gentle, not quarrelsome. There's a difference between being quarrelsome and one who's fighting for the truth. Trying to get you to see a point. There's a difference. Not covetous. One who rules his own house well. Having children in submission with all reverence. So see? And then verse 9 says, not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. Lifting himself up above God is what the devil did wanted to be worshipped, said he was going to rule and God was just a figment now of his imagination. God came in, dealt with him, cast him to hell and will be forever locked away in a place of fire for eternity. Now, notice, I was talking about for money. He would never tell you this. Again, as I'm so fitly to do, get myself in trouble. We drove there immediately immediately he has to start listening to a story so heavy that I started to excuse myself from the table because I said I don't belong here did I not I went oh oh excuse me because they looked at me where are you going I said uh um, I don't think I belong in this conversation and then pastor said to the person now 
Pastor John's a friend of mine. And you can trust that he is okay. If it's all right with you, can he sit here? I looked at my son. I said, wow. Pastor John, what are you doing? This is not, I don't want to hear this. I got enough of my own stories. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Now listen. We just traveled. How many miles? Hours? A million. About nine hours. And of course, Pastor John's schedule's so busy, we couldn't do it in two days. We got to do it in one hour. Get up that morning and do it all the same day, get there and preach. I was spoiled. My other pastor, he was like, let's go one day early. Let me treat you like a king. Just bring my bags. No, he was never that way, trust me. But he did. We'd go early and we'd wrestle. I was, but I was adapting to a new routine. See, a new routine. Anybody in here going to be adapting to a new pastor's routine? Okay. So, so I, 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 I sat there. I heard the story. And you, you want to know what? Superman popped up inside of me, but he looked like underdog. I was like, oh, pastor, I'm sorry that you're having to go through this right now. We just got here. Not Pastor John. He just loved on and talked to him. And I could see in his expressions like, can't you ever get over this? Well, can't you grab the word? Are you ever going to get over this? And, you know, really? Y'all ever hear him? Really? Really? <laughs> he uses really a lot. Really? If he's using that a lot, he's trying to tell you something. Really? He's trying to be nice. But he wasn't doing it with all that expression. So he does that. The next day, he ministers. He ministers. We get back in the car, and we drive off. And I mean, I feel a little closer to him now. He made me sit there and listen to that. He knows that I really would have not wanted to. He even asked me, have anything to say? And I was like. <laughs> but I have since then been able to speak into their heart and they've received. As their pastor, he introduced somebody else outside of the circle who was able to bring healing into their life. And I've seen a tremendous healing in their life. And progress. Because they're reaching out to a pastor. And they're even more submitted and more involved into his leadership as pastor apostolic. See, I happen to believe the pastor has all five folds working in him. He has to. He has to have that because he's the only office that's called to stay with the people. So I think as a church, you get all five gifts in one man. Now, that's my personal opinion. I, if I had to biblically prove it to you, I would just say, wait till we get to heaven, and I will say, I told you so. <laughs> so on the way, now we're talking about greedy for money, and I, you need to know this. Because we all bank on people's words. We trust others by what we hear about them. If Greg Z said that he's going to buy me a car today. And y'all heard him say that. What would you believe? What you saying, Greg? Huh? 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 Yeah. Because he's a man of his word. Even if it hurts him, he's going to do it. 
He's learned that behavior. It's been rooted and grounded in him. So I asked Pastor John, I said, well, you got a little offering going, huh? You know, I had to fish because he ain't going to tell me. I've been pretty quiet up until that time, hadn't I? But now let me tell you why I felt a little privileged to ask that. Because I submitted and I helped pay for some of the stuff. I rushed and had to fight him to put my credit card in the gas pump because he was getting out and I'd get out. Right? Oh, no, no, no. And I, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, say, so, hey, just stop here. We got to get something. Then I'd pull up gas pump and, and I'd be, and he'd be, oh, John, you know. And, 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 and then I asked him how much his offering was. <clears throat> this is it okay if I kind of give a roundabout but not the true figure? At this point, you don't care. If my memory serves me correct, it was 200 or $250. Let's do the math. Nine hours of driving. We had to eat. We had to get gas. We had wear tear. Okay. I'm just bringing this up for a very good reason. For a very good reason. Because only... A man that's listening to God would pay to go preach to people who don't listen to him. <laughs> and the next, and the next. What compels a man to do that? It's because he's, he's surrendered to the gift that's in him. He's surrendered and submitted under authority. And that's what makes man of God do things that people don't understand because God told them to do it and they have no absolute structure to follow. They can't understand why a man would give up a career of making $200,000 a year to go pastor a church and to deal with all the problems that come with the church and all the cares, and all the misunderstandings. Every time I get up to say a word, people misunderstand me. Sometimes I misunderstand me. What'd you just say? Really, is it even a word? But Pastor John has always let me be myself. Always. And remember here, we are for pastor's appreciation. So if you're beginning to feel like I'm talking about Pastor John, hello. And because I've seen this for over year, year after year after year and the consistency in him, but he had to pass some tests. He himself had to submit and get under authority in order to get authority. Because even the great centurion said, I myself am under authority. I am under authority. He didn't say I'm the one in charge. No, I don't answer to anybody. If you don't answer to anybody, there lies your problems. See, it was worth coming to church to hear that. If you're not under anybody's authority, there lies your problem. Hippies were the only people I knew that didn't get under authority. And I don't want to live in a TP. Walking around saying peace, love, and joy. I'm hungry. Probably a good time for a joke. Y'all want one more joke? Now, let's don't forget. I'm fixing to call you to action. We're fixing to receive Pastor John and Miss Ann as a gift. I know we've had a pastoral inauguration where they were accepted into the... Where'd that word come from? Word. See, I impressed Pastor there. Good word. He's probably thinking, where, where he got that? 
Hey, hey, <laughs> happy, happy. <laughs> oh, I'm picking on myself. That was my intelligence I hurt. Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> I gave my rights up when I became a bond servant. I have been a fool for Jesus many times in the eyes of people. My wife says one too many times. All right, let me find it right quick. I had them all marked, and then we turned off my computer and cleared it all. And now I have to go back through it. Come on, come on, where are you? Well, struggling to make ends meet on a salary that's budgeted for the pastor. The pastor was very livid when he confronted his wife with the receipt for $250 for a dress she had just bought. How could you do this? She says, well, I was outside the store looking at the dress in the window. And then I found myself trying it on, she explained. And it was just like Satan whispered in my ear. You look fabulous in that dress. Buy it. The pastor livid now. Well, you know exactly how I would deal with that temptation. I would say, get behind me, Satan. The wife replied with a little chuckle. She said, I did. But then he said to me, it looks fabulous from back here too. <laughs> Remember that when God moves in our lives, that He's well thought it through. I hear Pastor John and Miss Ann how humble and how thankful that they are to be here and that y'all have received them. It's an answer to their prayer. It's an answer for a place strategically in the overall vision that God has given Pastor John. Yet on the other hand, as they have received you as a congregation, they've received you as a gift from God. And therefore they will do without, say without. <laughs> you know what say without means? means they'll surrender the right to say the truth to you in order not to hurt you. Come on, Pastor. How many times have you not spoken and said something to me because you were waiting for the right moment to bring the correction or to bring in the seed to cause me to grow? I mean, I shocked him one day. We're on the road driving. I look in my rearview mirror car's crashing I'm screaming in the name of Jesus 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 he ain't never seen that side of me had you shocked him stunned him we have a massive crash behind us and cars rolling the lady almost hit me we stopped dear God I don't know how we even stopped in the midst of all that traffic back up we back our truck up and the people are okay, nobody's hurt. Pastor John says, you know it's because we started screaming the name of Jesus. Amen. We don't even know the people. 
You know, uh, we tell you these stories because these things happen just, God? It's Pam. You'll have to take it later. Almost like God, if you know Pam. Is on silent? It, well, I'll make sure I call her. And, uh, See how human we really are? <laughs> Turn off your phones. Ring, ring. I'm wrapping it up. Sometimes I do go around and I, I, I just, you know, but I just got to do as I believe God speaks to my heart. Remember, as God moves and makes changes in our life, we got to trust that God is doing it. But you notice when he decided to give a gift to man, he chose to give them through the man on earth. So it is a proper authority. It's the proper line that when we expect God to move, that he is going to move through people and that he's put people in our lives that we can submit to and trust as they follow Christ. As they follow Christ. There's many things we can do to show our appreciation, but I believe the only thing that Pastor John and Miss Ann would want from you, naturally, if you offered them financial assistance, they would not be upset. If you did things for them like buy them a dress, buy them a suit, take them out to eat, wash their car, do all those things, they would appreciate that. But the thing that would be more dear to their heart, which if you're gonna be dear to their heart, you're gonna do those things I just said anyway. The reason I blessed them is because they were dear to my heart. They were special to me. I placed value on it. I put actions to everything that I said to him behind closed doors when others didn't understand why I was doing that. It's because I chose to submit willfully because I received the gift that was in him. But most and foremost, what Pastor John and Miss Ann want from you, I believe speaking for them out of my own words, is they want you to grow and to become mature in Christ Jesus, knowing how to use your sword both directions, when to cut the head off the serpent and when to put the head back on your friend. How to do the surgery in the spirit, how to raise the dead, how to lay hands on the sick. They want all those great things for you, but very, the very first thing that you have to do is submit to them, and you got to have the words come out of your mouth, pastor. He's not going to require that from you, so just know that he, he, he is not going to require that. Miss Ann likes Miss Ann. And if you're John and you're in trouble, it's John Timothy, holler. (laughs) And so we're fixing to receive them as our gift. But understand this, as you receive them, the beneficiary of this is you. It was the way God designed it to happen, that you would submit to a pastor and you would receive the benefits kind of weird isn't it because in the business world you do and benefit me and then I'll think about giving you benefits God God said this is the benefit you're going to get because you're my bride I care about you but as you have to go through the test with them they had to pass the test in order to be here because the blind can't lead the blind 
both of us blind where are you going I don't know hey hey blind man one come with me blind man three let's go wonder why we're not going anywhere why aren't you moving one why aren't you moving three they both say why aren't you moving two can't see a thing so your pastor has to know more than you has to stay sharper than you has to get before God more than you. But I want to tell you this last and final thing, and then we're going to receive them. I was a youth pastor. And can you imagine what I must have been like a youth pastor? You think I'm, whoa, I bet I could dance for hours and, uh, and, and do it 15 minutes later. Now I dance for hours, and months later I'm ready. Um, so, but one thing I used to tell them, because I would hear them, well, you, you just know too much about me. I said, what, what, what? Well, you were talking to me last night. In the, in the service, you were saying things to me. How did you know those about me? I was like, first I was arrogant. Well, you know, I'm God's man. <laughs> but as I began to study and pray, God said, well, John, right now you're their, you're their pastor. And you are supposed to be answering their problems. Right. Tell them that don't think I'm meddling when I'm preaching because I got your answer. Receive the answer that's coming out of your man of God. Receive it from them. Don't go, oh, I wonder if so-and-so told them because I know they were at lunch yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Bible says that we're to be like children when we come into the house. Again. It doesn't mean we're to act like them. It means we're supposed to have the attitude of childlike faith that we trust that they have the best interest. And I know that takes a lot because of the society that is trying to squeeze us and conform it into its way of life instead of letting the word transform us and renew us and bring us into the full stature and measure that God wants for us. Just like the assignment that God gave the pastor, teacher, evangelist, and the apostle. Are y'all tracking with me? So as you have to pass test, they've passed test. Now, they're passing tests every day that they're here. You just don't know that. Because it's the same for all of us. When it's all said and done, we're all children of God. And we're all answering to him. Amen? Amen. So, Miss, Miss, Miss John. <laughs> Miss John and Mr. Ann. <laughs> Okay, I'll act right. <laughs> One time they asked us to be the hostess and hostesses, and I didn't know. I didn't know the difference because I was young, and, 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 and I, 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 I was simple but smart. And uh, so I, they asked us, so Jen and I were greeting, and so all I could think of is an actor and actress. And so I thought butler and buttless. So they answered the door, and I said, hi, we're here tonight, this John and Jen. I'm the butler, and this is the butless. <laughs> the man in charge. <laughs> it really happened, and it's a retired major colonel's house who has got all the proper etiquette, and when I turned to look at him, he was like, <laughs> I said, what? What did I do now? <laughs> It really 
happened and I'm still following God and I'm still happy and I'm still full of joy. And the truth of the matter is, I heard God laughing on the throne that day as well. He said, can you believe that knucklehead? I'm sure Jesus fell off the throne for a moment thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, hurry, help him. He needs your help right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Getting back to the serious side. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> hey, it's true. I've heard a lot of your stories. I've never heard of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we do really need to transition to this. We have other things for today to do. Got to be serious now. <laughs> So we're fixing to receive Miss Miss Pastor John and Pastor Ann. We're going to receive them as a gift. Now, you're going to receive them as the congregational pastors. I am moving him into the place of senior pastor in my life today. Because my senior pastor has got his crown. And I know what he told his wife the very first day. Both him and his wife both went to heaven together. He looked at her. He said, Jan, I told you so. I was right. They're up there. What they've gone through. And they're in heaven together. And they're walking on the streets of gold. Visiting with all the great men and God of faith and Visiting with their mother and father and her mother and her father and all the saints that he buried before. He's up there and they're running around, but he's looking over and I could hear him today. He told me because see, I was excited today because he had just come back from Bulgaria and he was getting into his pulpit to preach and I was getting in my pulpit to preach. Huh? And then and I heard him today looking over the balcony of heaven, rooting me on. Don't quit the faith, John. Everything I taught you is true. Everything's real. Just keep going and don't back away. <laughs> so I decree and I declare and I prophesy over this river that multitudes of other streams will come in contact with you. And together it'll be like casting our bread upon many waters so that they'll all come and converge upon one place. And at the turbulence of this place, as it creates a great current, that current will break out with healing. That current will break out with great financial miracle. It'll pop forth new evangelists, new teachers, new prophets, new laymen into all areas of the world. This current will affect and tear down strategies and plans that the enemy has fortified over this city called Durant, Texas. Today, you have been served to notice as David said to Goliath, we'll behead you. And today you are the fowls of the air that you'll be the food 
for them, not us because we serve the servant of the most high God. Yes, I hear the rushing sound of a mighty army that's gathering together. I hear the abundance of rain. I hear an abundance of joy. And I tell you, Satan, it's not over because we have the last word. We have the last joy. And the joy is our strength and it'll supernaturally flood this place. There'll be laughter. There'll be joy and abundance of homes. There'll be places that sickness in this place will leave just because of the laughter. Indeed, you'll see. Put me to the test. Go ahead and try me. Plant your best seeds today. Plant your best ways of doing things. Get your seed into the ground because a great harvest is coming to this town. Father, we are humbled. We are humbled by the fact that that you, you, you do know us and that you give us a hope and a future not to harm us and not to hurt us. Pastor John, Miss Anne, I'm going to ask that y'all come up. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. And I'm going to pray the prayer because I really don't know exactly how I'm going to take this prayer and then and then as you agree with it you can just join in with it today father we humbly submit to your will to your guidance we trust within our hearts that today the pastors that stand before us are truly for us we receive them as our gift And Father, today we purpose in our hearts to do everything we can to be an asset to them, to help them, to get to know them better, to get to understand their heart better. We purpose to add our finances toward them, our talents, and all that we are to bless them so they could continue to carry out the will of God. Everybody say this with me. Today, I receive you, Pastor John. And Pastor Ann, as a gift from God. He's changed my heart towards you. I see you now as God sees you. I will help you in all your endeavors. I commit to you to be the best that I can be. Teach me more, man of God. Teach me more, man of woman of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you (laughs) for letting me just be me. But today, Father, we receive your gift. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So at this time, we just want to release the congregation. And what do we do? At this time, we're all going to go over, eat, and celebrate Pastor's Appreciation Day. Please feel free to come hug on them, love on them, talk to them, and also... And afterwards, y'all can come up to the house that Pastor John and Miss Ann are staying in and view what work Miss... No, no, we ain't staying there. That's my house. (laughs) He holds a D, but that's my house. (laughs) Y'all are dismissed. <laughs>